There will be distraction. That's a message from officials in Auckland. They're warning of widespread damage to houses, trees and power lines, urging Aucklanders to make a plan and be ready to leave their homes. This is the warning that was given prior to Cyclone Gabrielle making landfall in New Zealand last week. Although Auckland took a hammering, it was the areas north and south of Auckland that felt the full brunt of the storm. With major flooding, wind damage, damage to roads and bridges, and tragically, loss of life. Officially, the count at the moment is 11, but there are still a lot of people unaccounted for. Natural disasters usually don't give much warning. Think fires, earthquakes, cyclones, hurricanes. Are you disaster prepared? I think now is a good time to revisit a podcast I recorded with Sue Kinsella and Dr. Alison Vaughan from the Royal New Zealand SPCA, where we discussed disaster preparedness, particularly as it relates to animals. You are listening to The Vet Podcast, presented by veterinarian Dr. Brian Greger from New Zealand. Join us as we discuss pet health issues from around the world. If you don't make it any further through this podcast than now, please just give me 30 more seconds. I ask Sue, what are the important points to consider as far as disaster preparedness for your animals? Ensuring that your pet is identified in a manner that can have your pet reunited with you in the case of an emergency or kept safe until you can come and pick it up from where it has been found. And secondary to that is have everything in a good to go grab bag in case of those sudden emergencies where you have to uplift and leave with little warning. So you can ensure that it's as easy as possible for your animals to transition into a temporary situation and then back into your permanent home. My first question to Sue is probably a little bit simplistic, but I asked her, what are the disasters that we are preparing for? Well, we've got a whole range of disasters available to us in New Zealand, depending on where you live. But the main one is a weather-related event, which we usually have a little bit of forward notice for. And then we have our sudden event, an earthquake or an eruption, or similar that causes immediate displacement with little to no warning. Uh, So depending on where you live, you could have any range of um, both long and short warning events on the horizon from tsunamis and earthquakes through to major storms, wind, weather, and not to mention pandemic disruption as well. Natural disasters, by their very nature, tend to occur out of the blue. Where do we start to give our animals the best chance of survival? Preparation is key, being sure that your animal can be identified and returned to you if lost or missing. And the easiest way to do that is through microchipping, which if registered on the NZ Car database with your details up to date, is as simple as a phone call to return your animal to you should it become displaced. Secondary to that, there is identification collars and so on, but also the means to keep them safe and with you if you have to evacuate at short notice, so a way to contain them safely, to have their needs considered in your get-out kit, so their um, cage or crate, leads, collars, food, any medications they may be taking, up-to-date vet information if you are separated from your animals so you can give advice. Most of these things can be stored on your phone, which will usually come with you, but to have those physical items ready to, to grab and go is imperative. Something I have forgotten to mention is that Alison is a behaviourist with a background in behavioural research. 
off the back of what Sue was saying, there's some really great things you can do in terms of behavioral prep. So just like you can do drills with your children to prepare yourself, you can also prepare your pets because the last thing you want to be dealing with in an emergency is trying to get a very uh, upset cat into a carrier. So behavioral preparation like training your cat to go in their carrier, which can be as simple as leaving it out all the time, leaving some tasty treats in there so it becomes a good place to go. Another thing that's great to prepare for in case of an emergency or your animal potentially becoming injured is uh, for dogs muzzle training. So like many things, preparation is the best way forward. When animals are injured, they can often react aggressively. And so having a routine where your dog, you have a well-fitted muzzle that can fit them and they're quite comfortable with having it placed on. And there's lots of great resources out there to go through um, muzzle training with positive reinforcement. So in the event you have to pop it on, it won't be an additional stressor. There's probably a couple of points to reiterate here, I think, both relating to identification. Now, we were quite cognizant of this during the Christchurch earthquakes, which we were involved in a few years ago. The first one is that the best identification is microchipping. But a microchip is only as good as the database which holds that information. So if you do have a microchip in your animal, for goodness sakes, make sure that it is on one of the databases in your area. The other thing is that if if you haven't got a microchip, if microchips aren't available, put a collar on your cat or your dog that has got my name is, my phone number is, my address is. This is going to give you the best chance to become reunited with your animal. We can even go a step further here. Alison can quantify this. We've definitely seen that for real in New Zealand, for example, with the Christchurch uh, earthquake, where we found that microchipped animals, 80% of them were reunited. Whereas uh, for those who didn't have a microchip, the numbers were much, much lower. So that is the single most important thing you can do. Make sure they're microchipped and make sure the contact details are up to date. Because one of the other really heartbreaking things we have at SPCA is these animals that come in and they are microchipped. But because the details aren't up to date, we cannot reach their owners. Sue mentioned earlier on in the discussion the emergency kit. I asked Sue what should be in this kit. So it's everything your pet will need for 48 to 72 hours displacement. Primarily a cage or crate that they can comfortably stay in for long periods of time and sleep. Um, If necessary, they need their regular food, they need any medications they may be on. They also need some comfort, particularly if your animal is going to be homed at a shelter and you're in a motel, for example, a blanket or their usual blanket and something that smells of you or your family is is a great comfort to an animal who's separated from its owners. Having as little disruption to their diet and emotional needs is the most important thing. So in, in my own pet's get out bag is three days worth supply of food, the medication one of my animals is on, and spare leads and spare collars. So should they get damaged or displaced, there's extra. I can grab one bag, put it in the boot of the car with my animals, and we can leave. It doesn't have to be too much stuff, but it does have to be enough to keep them safe, particularly if they're not going to be with you the entire time you're out of your home. During times of disaster, there certainly is a possibility that your animal may get injured. And it could well be that the veterinary practices are closed, they can't operate. I asked Sue, what about a first aid kit? Um, From the 
perspective of what you can do as an animal owner, so some bandages to stop bleeding um, or a brush or comb to remove anything that's become caught or entangled in their fur. Yes, absolutely. But with regards to administering medications, particularly intravenous, that is something better done by a vet. One of the issues that was noted during the Christchurch earthquakes, and I'm sure in the floods that we have recently had up in the North Island, how do you know that there are actually animals present in a property? Sue has some thoughts about this. We do suggest that if you are being asked to evacuate your home and you've managed to gather up your family and your children, but Fluffy's gone for a hike, um, it is preferable to leave a sign somewhere in your window or your door to say cat of this description has not been evacuated from this house. Or if the opposite is true and you've managed to leave with all your animals with you to notify of the same. So those who are checking on the, on the premises know that everything that you are worried about is with you and they can move on to the next house and the next house. Undoubtedly, the stress that disasters and evacuation bring on people will also be reflected in the animals. We go back to our behaviourist, Alison, and just hear her thoughts about this. Yeah, so like many um, things that vets will be able to relate to, prevention is the best cure. So practice, practice, practice. Make sure that your pets are comfortable going in their carriers, that you do practice drills, just so that in the event that this happens, you will be calmer <laughs> apart from anything else. Because we do know that our animals pick up our, on our stress as well. So if you have a routine in the event of different emergencies and you're well-versed in that, that will be one of the best things you can do in terms of preventing stress. Like Sue said as well, routine is really core for our animals. So maintaining those comfort um, things, we call that their maintenance set. So that's familiar smells. So if you have items that are their favorites, make sure you bring them to their favorite toy. And then also set uh, meal routines. If possible, while you're away from home, being able to maintain them can be really helpful. So just as much of that day-to-day -day routine you can maintain as possible. And that will be also really helpful. But in the event that you see that there is quite a dramatic change in behavior, there are uh, interventions that you can work through with your veterinarian if they have uh, behavioral expertise. Sometimes they do need a bit of help. In the immediate aftermath as well, just some time to decompress. So maybe give it a day before you're taking them out on walks and this sort of thing. Um, it's just a day to decompress, be relaxed at home and start to feel a bit more safe again. There are also um, some really great synthetic pheromones uh, that are commercially available. So that's feel away for cats and adaptable for dogs. And we found that those can be really helpful in reducing stress because these mimic these um, pheromones that are comforting. The discussion up until now has focused almost completely on pets, but obviously there are more animals which will be affected by disasters than pets. I'm thinking here in particular of farm animals. So I have asked Alison, what do we do about farm animals? Yeah, so I'm actually originally from the UK and my family indeed have a, what we call here in New Zealand, a lifestyle block, but we probably call it small holding or something or a hobby farm back home. So one of the things that's really core, especially as Sue was saying, there are two types of emergencies, those that we can see coming. And so uh, a core thing would be to make sure you've got feed and planning ahead because what we see more and more frequently with climate change is not only these big weather events but also things like drought so we're increasingly seeing that across the summer you may be running short of feed so pasture management and making sure you have a source of feed and you're doing that before it gets to this emergency point are really key because we 
often see with SPCA where we're called into these lifestyle blocks is because animals underweight or, you know, this experience where there's not enough feed and they haven't been able to source it at that point. And another core thing is making sure that you have a plan, make use of your community. So if you're aware your land is low lying and prone to flood, make sure you're chatting with the community and find a place where you could close by move them to in the event of an emergency, which has those basic needs. So make sure they're able to source shelter, that they're able to get onto higher ground if there's water and that they have a good source of food. A number of the listeners to the VET podcast are vets, vet nurses, vet techs, people in the animal health industry. We as animal health professionals have also got a part to play in this disaster preparedness. I've asked Sue and Alison for their thoughts. Well, with them, domestic pets would be encouraging that owners get their pets microchipped at the soonest possible. At the time of desex is the usual time that an animal will be microchipped, but it, it's a very, very short procedure and can be done with annual vaccinations. It can be done as um, an appointment on its own and it takes seconds. And, and ensuring that the details are, as Ali pointed out, correct, up to date, uploaded to the national database if there is one and stored with a secondary contact who may not be a person who shares the same house as you. So if your house has to evacuate, but the cat hasn't come home, there is someone else who can be contacted if you can't be reached. So if, if vets are having that conversation with all domestic animal owners who um, come through their doors, it'll really help increase the number of animals that can be identified in case they get separated from their owners. And for veterinary practices, they can also uh, get on board with things like National Check Your Microchip Day, Check the Chip Day, um, which I believe in the US is August 15th. So just having these annual reminders where they can reach out to all their clients, even if they're not seeing them for an appointment and say, hey, are your details up to date? Um, because we do know that uh, the vets are a really trusted source of information and they have great reach to all these clients. So just these small things are so important. There has been a lot of information given in this podcast, but just to crystallise things, here are Sue's take-home messages. Ensuring that your pet is identified in a manner that can have your pet reunited with you in the case of an emergency or kept safe until you can come and pick it up from where it has been found. That's the, the most important thing. And secondary to that is have everything in a good to go grab bag in case of those sudden emergencies where you have to uplift and leave with little warning. So you can ensure that it's um, as easy as possible for your animals to transition into a temporary situation and then back into your permanent home. Here is a plea to strike while the iron is hot. We never know when a disaster is going to occur. If you haven't got a disaster preparedness plan for your animals, please, can you make one as soon as you can? Keep safe, everybody. And that's it for another episode of the Vet Podcast. All of our links are in one place at beacons.ai slash vetpodcast. That is B-E-A-C-O-N-S dot A-I slash Vet Podcast. On behalf of me, Brian Greger, and everybody else involved in the making of this podcast, thanks for listening and we'll catch you again soon. Mm-hmm.